When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals, all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply. Yeah, Four goals to Ablett. Oh, Is your football life with Rex Hunt for Tobin Brothers Funerals celebrating lives? Thank you very much to you, Brian, and uh, welcome to you and welcome Australia with another edition of This Is Your Football Life. As Brian said, I'm Rex Hunt, and today's guest is a three time Premiership player with Hawthorne. He's a three time All Australian, a four time club best and fairest at Hawthorne and Footscray. And he's also represented Victoria on three occasions. He played 254 AFL-VFL games for Hawthorne, Richmond and Footscray. Was the Footscray coach from 1996 to 2002 and the Richmond coach from 2005 and 2009. And the thing about it is, I can't believe it. There must be a mistake. This man is not in the AFL Hall of Fame and he's not in the Hawthorne Hall of Fame. But... Uh, Goodness gracious me. It is my absolute honour to welcome to This Is Your Football Life, Terry Wallace. And lovely to have you on board, Terry. Thanks very much, Rex. And uh, thanks for taking some time out of your uh, your busy schedule to fit me in. Well, the thing about it is uh, my Sunday morning's a little bit busy taking my dog, Ralph, for the walk. So you have to clear it up with him because we're not going until we have a little bit of a look at your life. Well, it's, uh, look, it's uh, a fascinating thing, Rex. Um, when, when you do look back, I mean, I think all of us uh, very much live in the now and uh, we don't have very much time for uh, for reminiscing, but it's a, it's a nice thing to do every now and then. I try to actually inspire kids that uh, sometimes the best kid in the class, you know, gets the uh, bell of the ball and gets, you know, the 20-high-story uh, block of flats, but sometimes the battling fella gets it. And I've got a bit of suspicion that you didn't get where you've got uh, very, very easily. What is your first thoughts as a young man or a young boy, I should say, of league football and who did you barrack for? Uh, I was definitely a Melbourne supporter and a very passionate Melbourne supporter as a, uh, as a kid. Uh, my first memories is uh, my mum and dad uh, sleeping out over overnight to get us tickets to the 1964 grand final and uh, really I was too young to really recall very much of the game or anything about it but I just sort of remember that whole experience of uh, yeah the parents sleeping out to be able to get us to go. As a young kid you couldn't get a game for uh, any of your schools and you actually caught a bus from Templestowe to Heidelberg and another to Preston because you could get a game there. Uh, uh, Pauline Hanson, please explain. <laughs> well, I, I was a basketball kid, uh, loved both sports. I mean, as it, all kids do growing up, you uh, you want to play everything you can. I was absolutely enamoured with, uh, with VFL footy, uh, but... 
probably I was a better basketballer as a junior than what I was as a uh, a footballer, and I played uh, state basketball all the way through. I got to the stage where I was playing my football uh, local footy at Bulling Templestowe as a junior, and because every now and then I'd have to go to maybe a Australian Championship with basketball in South Australia. I wasn't as regular as some of the other kids and I couldn't get a game and uh, so I got to the stage where I went home one night and was going to give it away and my dad sort of said oh look do you still love footy I mean I was only 12 and a half something along those that yeah. sort of age and uh, he sort of said do you still love your football and I sort of said of course I do and he sort of said well how about you go over and go where I played a lot of my junior football which was the Preston Districts and so we just jumped in a car one day and drove to about five different grounds until we found a ground where there was people uh, people there and did not know one person, had no uh, involvement with that uh, club. That club ended up being the Preston Wanderers yeah. and uh, the rest was history. I sort of ended up playing the rest of my junior career uh, all the way over in Preston from uh, where I was in Lower Templestowe. How did you end up back at Camberwell? Because back then in the VFA, uh, I can remember when I played VFA in 79-80 down at Sandringham, it was a serious competition. Uh, but uh, you you made such an impact on the VFA at Camberwell that you got some pretty serious interest from some league clubs. Yeah, well, I suppose what happened was that uh, I was playing out of my zoned area. I was uh, zoned to Fitzroy, and that was the Doncaster area at the time. And because I was playing over at Preston, that was the Collingwood's area. So I had Collingwood come up to me uh, in my junior days probably three or four times. I was starting to really sort of develop uh, my footy at that stage, but I couldn't go to Collingwood uh, because of obviously the connection with Fitzroy. So I got to the end of my junior playing career, and... And had nowhere to go. Fitzroy didn't want to invite me down uh, there. I would have loved to go down and have a uh, have a run and have a trial with them. Um, so I had to find somewhere to play. And so we had a, a family friend that was involved at Camberwell. So basically just walked down there again um, without anyone knowing me or me knowing anyone and just uh, went down there to play with their under-19s. So I had a year with their under-19s and then had one year in 1977 with the seniors. Yeah. Okay, of course, that voice is recognised right around the uh, world of AFL football. It's Terry Wallace, I'm Rex Hunt, and welcome to This Is Your Football Life. Uh, your first season at uh, Hawthorne was almost an air-conveyance fairy tale. Uh, some of the names that I can recall are Knights, Dippy, Domenico, Ede, Scott, Tuck, Matthews. I could go on and on, coached by David Parkin, and you in your first year played in a premiership for the Hawthorne Football Club. What a start and what a dream come to uh, true for a bloke that couldn't get a game as a junior. Well, it was quite remarkable because it was only a month out from the start of the 78 season that I was back down training with Camberwell and just going through the processes. I'd been down to Fitzroy twice over probably a three-year period and virtually lasted a night both times and uh, that was it. So I was just expecting to play uh, at Camberwell again in the 1978 season and there was uh, a guy, uh, a fireman by the name of Jerry McCarthy who yeah. got a transfer across to Fitzroy and they sort of said, well, there's a young bloke that you've looked at a couple of times playing with Camberwell can you throw him into the uh, the transfer deal which was myself and four weeks out from the start of the season all of a sudden I'm a Hawthorne player I, I played one reserve 
practice game at Stradbroke Park uh, down in Kew, played one intra-club and went well in both of those intra-clubs and got into the last practice game before the season started uh, and did okay there and got my first game in round one, played every game, played three finals and played in a premiership and uh, it was... I mean, it was mind-blowing how quickly something can turn around like that. It's quite amazing, Terry Wallace. Going to Glen Ferry Oval just set you off on an amazing journey that finals were just expected. Yeah, that's exactly right. And, uh, you know, I was fortunate you mentioned about playing alongside us, some of those guys. To step in as a 19-year-old into the centre square and the other three blokes in the centre square, you haven't played a game. The other three blokes are Don Scott, Lee Matthews and Michael Tuck. <laughs> it was, I mean, it was almost mind blowing to, uh, yeah, to be involved in all that. But look, yeah, the stakes were high. I mean, people sort of say you're lucky and you absolutely are lucky to be at the right spot at the right time. But then you've got to be good enough to get a game in the best side yeah. in the competition. And, and you just weren't making up the numbers because your, uh, your stats will stand up against anybody. Uh, folks, this is your football life with Terry Wallace right around the nation today. And the fact of the matter is, uh, I just thought so many of our players who had made indelible marks on the game at the highest level, we weren't listening to their story and we weren't hearing their story to inspire young people not to be their best, but to be their very best. And the Tobin Brothers came on board as our major sponsor. And where would you like Tobin Brothers funerals to celebrate your life when a time comes? This is not you, Plough. Sure, it can be a church or a chapel, but it can also take place at less conventional venues such as a golf club, a footy oval, a restaurant, theatre or even 35,000 feet over Port Villa Bay. Hey, watch the fish. At Tobin Brothers Funerals the sky really is the limit and if it's legal, Tobin Brothers will make it happen. How on earth would this fairy tale end at Hawthorne when you had a contract dispute? Things must have got really, really to a stage where you couldn't resolve it because why would you leave them when they were just such a powerful comp- uh, uh, combination? Yeah, look, I mean, it's it's always difficult, isn't it, to look back and sort of say, well, yeah, would have you done things differently? And probably you would have in hindsight, but uh, um, I've always been one that you move on and there's, yeah, there's another uh, challenge for you just around the corner regardless. I basically left, and you think about it in today's football terms, I left as the vice-captain of the premiership side. Yeah. So my last game of football, I was vice-captain of the uh, the premiership side for Hawthorne in 1986. I think it probably went back to the 1984 grand final loss, Rex. We... Uh, we were four goals in front of Essendon at three-quarter time yeah. and got steamrolled in the last quarter. There was a few things that happened in that particular game. Uh, Daisy Williams got the first two balls out of the middle of the ground. I was playing on him. I think my relationship with Alan Jeans, uh, the late Alan Jeans, was never quite the same from that moment onwards. And uh, even though I played another couple of years, it was there was a tension there that was never, ever quite sort of settled from uh, from that time onwards and we got to the 1986 preliminary final and that had a really solid year in my mind in in 86 we lost the final out at Waverley where uh, David Reese jones was best on the ground basically played on one wing uh, almost by himself uh, for most of the game and Carlton, yeah. Carlton knocked us over and we were favourites I had 
been tagged in that game and had an average game. Not a shocker, no, but certainly not a, a great game. And uh, uh, I got a phone call on the Friday um, from one of our uh, one of our match committee members saying that they were deciding this a Friday before the preliminary final that they decided that they weren't going to play me in that preliminary final. And I said uh, right at this time that I was going to quit that moment and uh, make an announcement straight away that if, if they weren't going to play me in the preliminary final that my time at Hawthorne was over. Yeah. They went back and had a uh, couple of conversations and decided to flip it back around and play me and uh, I was playing on Scotty Clayton and he had had a pretty good run over, uh, on me over a few years and I ended up getting best on the ground because I knew what the consequences were. I mean, yeah. I, I either had to play... A blinder or you know, the grand final was in jeopardy. And, uh, and that was actually your last game for Hawthorne. Well, the grand final was. So yeah. I knew when, when I got off the ground at Waverley uh, preliminary final night, I knew that, it, that my last game was going to be the next yeah. week. Okay, let's pick up a bit of the action from a wonderful, wonderful career by Terry Wallace when he played for Hawthorne in the then VFL. Wallace burrows for it. Does it very, very well. Wallace now to get them going up by that ball deep into attack if he can. Not a bad sort of a kick. Number 16, Terry Wallace. Out of the break, uh, please join us again because after Hawthorne, we move for a short stint to my club at Richmond and then to the Western Oval goes the plough. Join us, Relays, out of the break as we continue chatting with Terry Wallace on This Is Your Football Life. You're listening to This Is Your Football Life with Rex Hunt for Tobin Brothers Funerals. Celebrating lives. Dream rises to the top. He is an absolute legend of the game. You're listening to This Is Your Football Life with Rex Hunt for Tobin Brothers Funerals. Celebrating lives. Thank you very much, dear Brian. And today we're celebrating the football life of Terry Wallace, alias The Plough. And from Hawthorne, he moves for a short stint, stint to Richmond. And one thing that I didn't ask you before the break is a lot of people out there would say, why the plough? Well, the plough was uh, born from uh, Russell Green, one of my teammates, great teammates uh, an at Hawthorne. An interesting individual, Russell. Uh, he is indeed. <laughs> he is indeed. Well, Russ, uh, we were running around one night at Glenferry Oval and uh, Glenferry Oval looked uh, looked more like a, a farmer's plot. Um, it, it was always dug up and uh, and pretty miserable. And I was just sort of getting in after the after the footy. And uh, he said that I th- he thought I looked more like a plough than anything else. <laughs> going through the uh, going through the mud, harrowing harrowing through the mud. So it sort of stuck. And just uh, over a few times, all of a sudden there was three or four people calling me that, and then all my teammates were. So uh, it was one of those that ended up sticking for uh, for life. I don't want to be disrespectful to anybody, but we're just going to uh, quickly uh, flutter past your time at Punt Road and your time at the Western Oval as a uh, as a player, although two best and fairest uh, and another Victorian representative at the Western Oval is not to be sneezed at, but we need to get onto your coaching and how it came past. But uh, uh, quickly to Richmond and then to the Western Oval. Yeah, well, Richmond was uh, very much... I was just looking for somewhere to, to uh, really sort of reinstall myself as a footballer. Uh, it happened to be just that Alan Bond was there as the president at the time. I signed a three-year contract with them. Um, only got 11 games out 
out and got injured. I hurt my back. And so at the end of that year, the club was going broke. I was think it was only 18 months before your Save Your Skins campaign. And uh, they were stuck with a three-year contract with a bloke that they weren't sure um, how he was going to go on, whether he was going to be right to play. And so virtually they wanted out of the contract. I was happy. It was a handshake deal. Uh, you know, there was no money past hands or anything like that. It was just a contract they couldn't afford. So I moved on with me, uh, my footy life and ended up at the Bulldogs. And look, uh, it, that worked out really, really well for me. Uh, I think that I gave the Bulldogs a fair bit and I, the, the Bulldogs certainly gave me the chance to continue to play. You gave it a great profile out there. You know what I mean? It was just sensational out there with the Hyde Street band and the people came back in their droves. Uh, at what stage of your playing career did you think, I might like to have a go, and then I'll quickly fast forward to the fact that you were appointed assistant coach to Alan Joyce at the Western Oval? I always thought that uh, I would like to coach at some stage. I, I coached uh, basketball all through my ju- junior age uh, brackets and sort of always had that sort of uh, behind me that some someday that that's something that I, I would like to do. I was pretty much ensconced at that stage as uh, state manager of Sky Channel out of GDV. V9, uh, the satellite TV firm, and um, that was the only issue that was getting in the way. Was I going to go down a, a, you know, a, a corporate uh, background, or was I going to go back into coaching? But uh, eventually, yeah, the love of the game sort of got me back to uh, to the coaching aspect. And of course, I know you'll be humble about this, but uh, I'll say it the way it is, right? Uh, you know, kick it where it hurts. Uh, you took uh, Footscray from, uh, well, a respectful basket case to serious contenders and it must have been an exciting time with a young list who were just following you uh, with your inspiration. It was fabulous and uh, again, you've got to be lucky enough as a coach to get there when there's a, a good group of players and I th- we had some really good senior players around the footy club, you know, uh, blokes like Tony Liberatore, uh, Stephen Wallace, you know, guys like that but we certainly had a good core of young boys and most of the young boys are coached uh, at the next level down at reserves grade level and I'm talking about Brad Johnson and Rowan Smith and uh, Luke Darcy uh, and that group of guys uh, Scotty West had come through the, the footy club so uh, there was a nice balance between some really great young talent down at the club and some senior players to lead the way. He's a delightful man to talk to. He's a delightful man to work with on the football around Australia when I'm calling football. Uh, But the thing about it is that Terry Wallace has got that required streak of mongrel that makes him an absolute leviathan at the highest level. And if ever you wanted any evidence of this, here's a bit of what uh, Terry said to his Footscray Chargers after they lost to Collingwood in 1996 by just a goal. If I see one bloke walk out of here, getting a pat on the back from people out there for a good effort, I'll spew up. Because it's just not acceptable. Well, there you are. And Sam Newman says of television, we're just waiting here to be sacked. And I suppose as an AFL coach, you're waiting to be sacked or moved on. And at the end of the 2001 season, you resigned at Footscray. Why? Yeah, look, it was pretty controversial. And look, I, I still am so disappointed with everything surrounding this uh, Rex just because of the fact that um, I know some 
Bulldogs people will never forgive me for uh, for moving on and, and leaving that football club. But I had 14 years. I was only at Hawthorne for nine. I was actually at the Bulldogs for 14 because yeah. I, obviously I played there, assistant coach and coach there. And uh, it got to the stage where I thought my tenure was under extreme pressure. I, I had a, a new C- CEO, Campbell Rose, come into the club. Uh, I think the bullets were loaded by the board. Um, and he virtually sort of said, look, I've got, you've got one year of a contract left if you don't get success within that 12 months we'll be looking elsewhere and that was basically put on the uh put on the, the the plate from day one of him walking in yeah we had just realigned our footy club after four years of finals with a group of kids some of those kids are still playing i mean that robert murphy uh Matt, matthew boyd was there mm, brian lake brian lake was one of those guys pretty fair names g and syracuse Han, yeah. gilby all those boys but they're all only 18 or 19 yeah it's just going to take a little bit of time i didn't think i had the time so i went to my management group and sort of said look you've got to get me out of here because i'm just basically uh going to waste 12 months if, if that's the case now the rest i'm not allowed to speak about unfortunately okay. um, it's one of those things that's legal it's been legal since uh since day one and it's better left that way I, I would like to say to Bulldog supporters but um, I hope they can forgive and forget because I bled for the club I, I love that football club I'm a life member of the, of the footy club as I said it was uh, 14 wonderful wonderful years and one very very bad week in multicultural Melbourne there's one company that always stands ready to meet the very special needs of the 233 ethnic groups in our community It's Tobin Brothers Funerals, who employ multilingual funeral planners who fully understand the diverse funeral customs and rituals of those from non-English speaking backgrounds. Tobin Brothers Funerals, celebrating lives in multicultural Melbourne. And this is your football life, celebrating the football life of Terry Wallace. Well... I thought that you were a very odds-on favourite to coach Hawthorne, but Alistair Clarkson got the position and you ended up uh, at Richmond when Danny Frawley didn't continue after five years. Uh, Pauline Hanson again, please explain. Yeah, well, I think I was in a situation, Rex, where um, over the course of that year or the lead-up to the end of that football season, Richmond had been in contact with me, I think, ten times, and I'd had discuss- ten uh, formal discussions with them before Hawthorne contacted me for the first time. So that I was a long way down the track with the, uh, with the Tigers by the time the Hawks got involved, and Really, I got to the stage, I never picked uh, between clubs on lists or anything like that, which has been mentioned in the press before. It was purely and simply that I had my history at Hawthorne, but it was premiership history. And I, I, I thought that the club, number one, needed to, they'd had Peter Schwab, uh, they'd had Ken Judge, they'd had Peter Knights, all virtually in a row. I thought that they needed to go outside of that old Hawthorne brigade. Uh, plus, I had a son coming through at the time who uh, had played under-16 state football and was coming through the under-18 system. And I sat there and went, if I go to Hawthorne, I've got to make a decision on his career for the rest of his life, and I've got to live with that for the rest of my life. Yeah. If I, if I bring him on board and people don't think it's right, that has a potential of wrecking uh, the club environment. If I don't bring him on board, and that's been his dream for the, for the whole of his life, it has the potential of actually wrecking my family environment. Yeah. So I thought the Richmond fit 
just at the time and such a big club and the opportunity of actually trying to reignite something that was a massive club and I'd seen Kevin Sheedy do the same uh, and get the sleeping giant uh, awakening uh, with Essendon and I, I thought that was a great opportunity albeit uh, it didn't work out. And uh, our time is almost up, and I've got so many things to ask you, but one of them is a family-related thing with your boy now on the senior AFL umpires list, and you must be very, very proud because, uh, goodness me, he's got the right pedigree, and you've told me confidentially, which is now public, that he absolutely loves it, and isn't that halfway to being successful? Yeah, look, and he's a worker, which is, I think is the other half. I mean, uh, uh, he just uh, puts so much time and effort into trying to improve himself, uh, whether that be a fitness aspect or, or really learning uh, what it's all about from a, an umpiring point of view. He wasn't one of these that just wanted to be a, a player who wanted a secondary life. I mean, he was just at the start of his footy career, really, when he gave it up at, uh, at 20 years of age. So yeah. uh, he, he, he wanted to make a career out of it, and he's, he's doing everything that he possibly can, and I hope it works for him. Oh, Brent will do all right. Don't worry. He's got pretty good, uh, pretty good uh, breeding. Look, we thank you for your time. I know that you've taken time out today to speak to us. And uh, as I said, I've only scratched the surface. But thanks for being my special guest on This Is Your Football Life, Plough. Well, thanks very much, Rex. It's uh, been fabulous just to sort of sit back and, uh, and go through some old stories. Follow us on Twitter at Rex Football Life, folks. And if you'd like to hear extended versions of this interview, you can check it out on facebook.com forward slash Tobin Brothers Funerals or follow us on Twitter at Rex Football Life. Well, that's just about it for another day, folks. Thanks to my producer, Mitch Cleary. This has been This Is Your Football Life with the special thanks of Tobin Brothers who are celebrating lives and we'll catch you next week. You're listening to This Is Your Football Life with Rex Hunt for Tobin Brothers Funerals. Celebrating lives. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semi finals, all thanks to McDonald's. Mackers, together and loving it. TNCs apply.